Hello, and welcome back to Smith's Cyclopedia, the only Smith's podcast that I'm currently aware of on the internet, and I really want to change that slogan at some point, because I think it's real dorky. But uh, today, I think we're going to have a lot of fun. We have a very special guest on with us today. Say hello. Hello, everyone. This is Alyssa. Hello. I'm used to just waving because I'm not much of a talkative person. So if you see me, like Kaz sees me, I'm waving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe I'll film like a segment, but no, I, I don't think I'm in the business of filming these quite yet or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, today we're going to be talking about the Smith's very first single, Hand in Glove. And we'll also kind of talk about just the Smith singles in general, because I think that's so fascinating, you know, like what the Smiths were able to do with a single. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially, especially in that time. And I guess it was harder, too, because th- there's no streaming. You can't like make a post on Instagram. You just kind of say, hey, look at this cool band. And like you give your friend like the 10 inch or whatever. Yeah, you uh, <laughs> you have to get like a cassette tape and like the microphone right next to the speaker in order to, mm-hmm. to share that around and whatever. Um, different days. But first, let's get to know you a little bit, Alyssa. So how do you know me? I guess, cause I'm just going to spoil this part. You live in California and I live in Utah. So what the heck? Um, well, we met in line and at the concert of Suede and Manic Street Preachers, both nights, so in Anaheim and in Hollywood. Yeah, uh, honestly, just a good, good time. Uh, fantastic shows, and then, I don't know, it's just like, those shows especially, you just meet so many cool people. Right, and it's, and you know, cool people who like the same stuff as you, like, you know, not just like, Suede and Mannix, but also like, oh, hey, you like, you know, X-Band? Oh, my God, so do I, you know. And you just yeah. talk about, and we had like, you know, like a long talk about like our favorite albums and like, you know, we're both musicians, so how we approach songwriting and playing. So it's just fascinating. Yeah, I think. All right. So if my memory serves me correctly, and I could be very wrong on this, is we went through like all of our favorite bands just kind of like back and forth. And then there was like a pause and then I went, oh, and like the Smiths, of course. And you went, how do I forget the Smiths every time? Like they're one of my favorite bands. How do I forget to mention them every time I have this uh, this discussion? Yeah. You know, I think it may have just been that day because anyone who knows me will tell you how much I love the Smiths. For a while, I was known as like the Smiths girl. (laughs) So I think it was, you know talking so much about suede and manic street preachers it's like oh yeah duh the smiths hello (laughs) yeah no i i get that i mean obviously i was in the same sort of mindset i guess um just thinking like well i'm at a suede manic street preacher show and of course like both bands are influenced by the smiths but suede like i had been waiting to see suede for like, over 10 years, ever since I really started listening to them, you know? Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think those two bands, they're not huge here. So it's like, you know, I'll probably have to fly over there to see them. Mm -hmm. But it was so special to, um, you know, for them to come. And it's like, I almost couldn't go the first night. Like, I bought tickets and I almost couldn't go. But I was like, I'm not passing this up. Like, what are, what are they going to do this again? Like Manix have been very vocal <laughs> vocal about how we're never coming back to North America. So it's like uh-huh. I'm glad I was able. I'm, I was I'm glad I was able to see them when they did come. Yeah, and then of course, like Brett Anderson is always like uh, America is the cesspool of the world or whatever. I never have any joy in America. Um, and do you remember like after the second show that uh? that Simon Gilbert was just coming out and he was like, Hey guys, don't listen to, don't listen to Brett. He's just being, he's just being an asshole. <laughs> or actually he probably right. would have said arsehole. He's, he's just being a diva. Yeah. 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 Um, 
and how Simon Gilbert came out and was like, he had his glass of wine and his cigarette. And he was like, hey, guys, what's up? Yeah, that that that's that sounds about right. Um, But anyways, yeah, just like after going to those couple shows together, we just kind of became friends. And then I don't know, we talk every now and again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Definitely, definitely some memes going on, but yeah sure that's the internet it it, it's a lot of me like responding to uh to like the simpsons memes that you'll post on your story or like uh you responding to like the occasional seinfeld one that i put on mine right 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 right. yeah that's internet friendship for you for sure all right but let's talk about something that matters a lot more than how you know me and that's how you came to know the smiths Okay, so I think, like, a lot of people, you just kind of hear that name, you know, like, the Smiths, and, like, kind of, like, what Morrissey said, it's so plain you can't really place it, so it's, like, that sort of, like, like, the Smiths, um, and I had, like, heard their songs here and there, and then in 11th grade, my English teacher, who is one of my favorite people ever, she liked the Smiths and I was like, well, let's let's like do a serious dive into this. So mm-hmm. then I um, I think I don't even remember the first song I heard, but I think when I first started listening to them, my favorite song was Real Around the Fountain. Nice. And I, I listened to that song to death. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel that I think somewhere like somewhere in my high school journals or something, I just have this page with like tons and tons of Smith's lyrics. And the one that's like right at the very top is uh, the line, like 15 minutes with you. I wouldn't say no from real around the fountain. Right. Um, I don't know. Maybe I was a lonely teenager who would have guessed. <laughs> I think like most Smiths fans, we are all lonely teenagers. <laughs> I mean, I guess it comes from the the lead Smiths fan himself, Morrissey. Yep. All right. Uh, actually, so I probably made this around the same time, around like 11th grade, but I found like this old army box, like army supply box, and I literally just decked it out with like all of this Smith stuff. <gasps> That's so cool. And so this is where like all of my music memorabilia is and like like Smith's things that I had mm-hmm. done, whatever. But I wish this was like a visual medium. I'll post this on Instagram. You know what? When this episode comes out, I'll do that. Okay. Anyways, besides the point. So what would you say is like uh, your favorite Smith song currently? Oh, that's hard. Um, I think, I think you know, first one that comes to mind is um, Rubber Ring. I always like that one. Oh, heck yeah! That's like yeah. one of my absolute favorites, if not like the favorite. For sure. I love that song. Like, I don't know, like the groove of it is so cool. It's like kind of like jazzy and loungy. And it's just like, and it's like also huge at the same time. Yeah. It's, uh, it's super interesting too. Cause like every time I listen to it, it's like, oh yeah, this just fuels the obsession or whatever, because it's a song about not forgetting, you know, all the songs that saved you. Right. All of those, all Um, of those songs. And then of course, like. Andy Rourke's baseline. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Magnifique. yes. Amazing. I don't know. He's such an underrated bass player. I know this is like off topic, but I think a lot of people will say like, you know, they'll talk about like the Paul McCartney's and like, you know, the um, the James Jamerson's. But no one says Andy Rourke, except for me. I'm that one person that's like, don't forget about Andy Rourke. Uh, I mean, you redheads have to stick together. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also, I want to uh, to ask you a couple questions about this because I think it's super interesting. So you play with a band called Bittersweethearts. Yes, I do. 
So you guys just went on a tour of Europe. How was that? It was amazing. So it was my first time. It was a lot of firsts for me. It was my first tour, um, my first time to Europe, my first time leaving the country. So I think that sort of added to the um, sort of, I don't want to say novelty, but sort of the excitement around it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's so pretty there. Um, It's like a lot of the places we went, the roads weren't paved. So it was like cobblestone and brick. So as we were like all wheeling our suitcases in at like, you know, like late at night, you could just hear like the go, 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 go. And it's like, I don't want to wake anyone up, but I have to get (laughs) to, to the Airbnb. Yeah. (laughs) I remember, um, I remember like my grandmother's house. It was the same situation. Like her whole front patio was just like cobblestones that were put into like cement and they just floated to the top of the cement before it could dry. And so carrying anything through there was just always go, 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 Love it. Oh, of course, so... we always showed up at like 2 a.m. Oh, that's great. All right. So what places did you play when you were in Europe? Um, so we played a few shows in the Netherlands. Um, and then we played some shows in Germany. And then one show in um, Belgium. And then one in London. And that was it. And so I don't want to make you pick like a favorite out of any of those, but if there was like one standout moment that happened during any of the shows, what was it? Um, so let's see, standout moment. Um, ooh, I don't know. I think. Oh yeah. So um, what at one of the shows, they wanted an encore, and you know we've only been a band for six months, so. We don't have like a whole entire catalog where if someone says, you know, play another song, we can play a song, you know, that we haven't played. Mm -hmm. But one audience in Germany wanted us to play another song and they're like, you know, play Polyplastic, which is one of our our singles. And we're like, okay, Mm -hmm. here we go. One, two, three, four. And then the second time, like a mosh pit started going (laughs) and then like our singer's so cool she jumped into the crowd and was singing and like moshing it was awesome (laughs) oh that is that is so cool i mean that that's exactly like what you saw with like the smiths in concert as well as like you know you would get to the end and suddenly there would be this huge stage invasion and morrissey's still just singing along while everybody's kind of bumping into him into him and around him and yeah ah I'm so jealous right now. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's one of the most exciting things that has happened to me. So, love it. <laughs> yeah, and I want to talk a little bit more about uh, about Bittersweet Hearts and about your music in general a little bit later. Okay. But what do you say we get into, like, the sort of main meat? Or rather not meat. Um Tofu? The tofu? The Yeah, the, the main tofu of the of the podcast. There you go. Thanks, Alyssa. Um, let's talk a little bit about Hand and Glove. Alright. Alright. So obviously Hand and Glove is the Smith's first single. Let's talk about what led up to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think in the last episode, we might have talked a little bit about like um, the lead up to it. They really wanted to create like this really good, really uh, amazing song for their gig at the Hacienda. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the inception of Hand in Glove kind of begins with Johnny Marr at his parents' house with an acoustic guitar. Mm -hmm. Um, So from what I read, it was like some kind of like dinky like toy guitar and he was playing and he mm-hmm. thought it was like um a chic uh riff and then they were like no nah, it's not that's that's all you buddy <laughs> so he was like angie angie get the car we gotta go see steven and then they they drive over there and he's playing it the entire time like so he doesn't forget it because he can't take out his mm-hmm. iphone and do a voice memo so he's you know playing it over and over again in um in the car and then they get to where they're at and um you know 
Angie's like, you know, put some like kind of like punk in it, like throw in some Iggy chords. Yeah. So he was like, okay, cool. And then uh, Johnny goes, knock, knock, knock. And Steven's like, hello, do you have an appointment? Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I, I remember like there's a quote from Johnny Marr where he's like, really? Without an appointment on a Sunday afternoon? On a Sunday afternoon. And then I think Morrissey wrote the lyrics for it in like two hours. Something like that, yeah. So it was something that just came together so quickly, which is remarkable to hear. Yeah, it's crazy to think about that sort of thing because, I mean, you're a songwriter as well. Like, sometimes inspiration just comes all, like, flush all at once, and then sometimes it takes forever. Right. And I feel like it really should have taken forever with a song as good as Hand in Glove. It's amazing that it just all comes together like that. Right. And I mean, just like the sort of like, I don't know, like that story, that too is like remarkable um, to even, you know, think that that's one of the greatest Smith songs and it came together so quickly in like, in like an afternoon, essentially. Yeah. And it's like the beginning of their career, too. Right. I mean, that's... Um, that's wild. Sorry, go for it. No, yeah, I was going to say, like, I was agreeing with you. I was saying, like, for that to happen that early on is, like, awesome. I'm trying to find this one quote. Um, and I can't remember where I found it now, but it's Johnny Marr essentially, like, summing up that, uh, you know, that whole tale or whatever but he mentions that like he was being rushed into the car by Angie like he was a pregnant woman about to give birth. Right, 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 right. Oh my gosh. That's right. I I remember that somewhere too in this sort of mythical story of it all. Yeah. It really does feel like a myth, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like this is a uh, this is Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah, this is like gather around children. I have a story to tell you about one of the greatest songs of all time and how it was written. And of course, Niall and Sonny, his children are just like, oh, we've heard this a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Can you can you just not? Right, 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 right. <laughs> all right. So Morrissey has just received uh, this song from Johnny Marr. He's put words to it in two hours and the band comes back together for their first rehearsal since that's happened. And they play the song, Morrissey unveils the lyrics and whatever, and there's just an audible sense of like, wow, is did this really happen? Mm-hmm. Um, what is going on here? And then Mar recalls, uh, this is also in Simon Goddard's book, Songs That Saved Your Life, The Art of the Smiths, 1980. All right, cool. We're, we're chilling. Both of us have this book. Both of us probably have it marked all up. Yep. I I just discovered this again last night, but in pen near the back of the book in one of the appendixes, I have the one time the Smiths played in Phoenix, Arizona, which is where I'm from. And on the side, I've written August 31st, holy date. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's great. Anyways, I can fanboy about this book forever as well. Um, but let's get to the more quote. As Mar recalls, when we heard the vocals, we were all like, wow. From then on, it was always going to be the first single. And then Morrissey talks about how like it felt like these four people were meant to play this song. And as well, it doesn't even stop there with like Morrissey and Johnny Marr. Um, let's see if I can find this. Just as Morrissey would repeatedly inform the press that he felt as if his entire life had been leading up to the release of Hand in Glove, so Mike Joyce also informed Record Mirror that his life began with that first single, believing its lyrics to be autobiographical with pop, whoa, autobiographical of the spirit within the group. Um, so it's just a very, very special song for, it seems, all of the band, except maybe Andy Rourke, who when he tried to introduce the song and the single, and you'll understand why in a little bit if you're listening to this, his parents might not have understood it right away. Yep. 
But again, we'll get there. Um, so they put this song together and then Joe Moss, who is kind of like Johnny Mars, I don't know, pseudo secondary father, I guess mm-hmm. at this point. Right. Uh, he lives in jo- in Joe Moss's house. He gets all of his advice from Joe Moss. He works for this guy named Joe Moss. Joe Moss is their manager. He pays for the recording of Hand in Glove. And so they go into the studio, knock it out, and then just spend all day working on it for like 225 pounds or something like that. Okay. Um, and then, of course, once they have the song, they feel really proud about it and they want to show it to everyone. And so Johnny Marr and Andy Rourke, they hop in, they hop in their car together, or maybe they took a train, I don't know. Johnny Marr and cars don't really mix. Um, and they drive down to London to just confront the the lead boss of Rough Trade Records, Jeff Travis. Mm-hmm. You uh, um, you know what I'm talking about, Alyssa? I'm sorry, I'm just yeah, throwing yeah, it no, to you no, without no. any yeah, warning. Yeah, no, so it's like, they want, they want to... Let's see. They try to get Jeff Travis a lot. He's kind of the elusive Chanteuse a bit. They're trying to find him. It's like, you'll have to come back and make an appointment. Sorry. Okay, we're back. Oh, nope. He's not here. Sorry. Which is really funny seeing as they are, you know, they're a decent record label. They're not like going under anything, but they're still an indie record label. It's strange to think that they would be avoiding this kind of thing. Right, right. And I'm sure, you know, like every day they get bands coming and saying, hey, can you sign us? So I'm sure that was his filtering process. But, you know, obviously things worked in the Smiths' favor in the end. Yeah. I think Johnny Marr finally, like, gives him the tape and says, like, this isn't just another tape. And either you sign us or you distribute it. And those are the only two choices that Johnny Marr gives him. <laughs> right. And so, of course, you know, Jeff Travis uh, does listen to it and almost immediately calls and says, hey, we want to sign you. We need to sign you. Right. Um, and of course, there's some problems with that that, you know, we might get into when we talk about the posthumous court case. But... We'll get there when we get there. It's all it's all flowers right now. So finally, they have a home, not only for Hand and Glove as a song, but for the Smiths in general. Right now, it's just a tentative plan. Like, I think it's only planned for the one single. Or maybe two. I can't remember. Right. I can't remember either, but that sounds about right. But, you know, this is kind of what they want. Um, and so... Johnny Marr and Morrissey, they're preparing all of this stuff for the release of Hand in Glove. And in doing so, they end up creating, like, the template, I guess, for all future Smith singles. And coincidentally, just a way to rabidly fuel uh, any fan's obsession with the Smiths. Because in the creation of Hand in Glove the Smiths single becomes almost like this holy, holy relic, like a, like an icon or something. Right. That it's like, oh, you know, if I can find this, then, you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll achieve like some sort of weird Morrissey Nirvana. salvation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, uh, I, I, I apologize people that are listening. Um, you'll, you'll see a TikTok of this or something. This one is just for, Alyssa, but I actually have what I think is an original pressing of the Smith's Hand in Glove. I love that. Oh my gosh. Um, and I think it's an original pressing because the like address on the back of it is for Joe Moss's mm-hmm. house, not for, oh, wow. not for Rough okay. Trade Records. <laughs> okay. It's funny when you showed the back of that. Um, something I think that's also remarkable about this single from what I've read is that it was the first time that 
Stephen went just by Morrissey. Mm -hmm. It was like in print the first time it was in print. And then um, I think also Johnny Marr, because that's not the uh, um, original spelling of his last name. Yeah, no. You know, it's M-A-H-E-R, but he changed it because Johnny Marr, or, you know, whatever, that was, I believe, the drummer of the Buzzcocks. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't want the same last name as this punk band that's also Mancunian, and I'm trying to make a name for myself. So... You know, it's understandable. There's only... There's... Yeah. There's only so many Johnny Mars allowed in the world. Yeah. There can can only be one of us in this town. (laughs) Or they looked at each other. They looked at each other and said, one of us is going to have to change. Yeah. (laughs) One of them just hit like play on like the cassette of Sparks. uh, This town ain't big enough for the both of us. Right, 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 right. Johnny Mars, of course, sing the really, really high bits. The so time is me and your time. Yeah. Um, how did we even get here? Um, a single, you were showing me oh, yeah. the, the importance of the physical copy of a single. There we go. Um, and obviously like, you know, thank you, by the way. Uh, obviously there was no like, oh, you know, I'm just going to download it from iTunes or whatever, or like, uh, mm-hmm. a friend will, uh, a friend will give it to me on like, uh an mp3 that he downloaded through napster or whatever it was like Mm -hmm. the physical single was pretty much all that you had um yeah and so they put a lot of care into it both morrissey and mar from what i read but from mar's autobiography he was especially stressing it was this idea that it be pressed on a blue label with silver lettering oh wow and Honestly, can't remember why. Um, I think it might have to do with uh, the single that both him and Morrissey had when they were when they were kids. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Oh yes, uh, Marianne Faith. Um, yeah. Okay. Right. According to Simon right. Goddard. Oh, go especially there. No, because I was going to say like that sort of. That and along with Sandy Shaw, you know, who we're going to talk about later, mm-hmm. you know, shows their affinity for 60s singers and like girl groups and stuff. And that's it's interesting to think, you know, like a rock band would be into that uh-huh. kind of stuff. But, you know, you consider both and you're like, oh, yeah, I see mm-hmm. that. And I mean, two episodes ago, I think we talked about like how the Smiths first ever like piece of recorded music on anything is a cover by the girl group, the Cookies. Mm-hmm, right. And of course, like, Morrissey's test for Johnny Marr was picking, like, what record to play out of, like, this huge selection of just pretty much girl group records. And mm-hmm. Johnny Marr picks, uh, picks You're the One, which is, like, a B-side right. as right, well. Right, right, Mm-hmm. So, you know, they were, they were into girl groups. Right. Um, and so it fits really well with like the whole sort of aesthetic of the Smiths first single. So, you know what, before we talk about like the really like interesting things, like the details and whatever, let's talk about just what the front cover is of this. Oh boy. If, if you've never seen it, get out your phone or run to your computer and look up Hand in glove, and you will have a lovely surprise waiting for you. Yes. <laughs> um, let's just say uh, when I was a teenager and I had a lot of like online Smiths friends, we all collectively referred to this to this single as hand and ass. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love that. It's great. Yeah, we were, uh, you know, we were teenagers. <laughs> but yes, so... I assume you're back from your computer or whatever, looking it up on Google Images and then uh, having some sort of surveillance put on you almost immediately. Um, but mm-hmm. the single cover is on the left side of the single. You have this like flush silver back and then at the top, the Smiths and then at the bottom hand in glove. And then to the right of that, you're treated to a lovely picture of the nude man. Um, I can't remember what exactly 
the photo was called, but it is in a book compiled by, I can't remember who, um, but called The Nude Man, which Morrissey apparently owned, which, if you think about it, should have been a clue to his sexuality. Yeah, that that whole discussion is, around Morrissey, is just kind of like a big question mark. Yeah. Like, because it's like, you know, some people say, you know, that he's like asexual or something, but it's just like, only only he knows. Only he knows. That's true. But I mean, like, even when he says, like, outright, like, this is what my sexuality is, it's something that, like, is just strange. Like, he's like, I'm human it's, sexual. Yeah, yeah, human sexual. Like, glad that you're not a furry, but... Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so here we go. The sleeve itself was provocatively modern with its photograph sourced from Margaret Walters' history of the nude male, reinforcing the single's uh, line, The sun shines out of our behinds. In the appendix, it notes, uh, appendix of Songs That Saved Your Life, it notes that uh, a nude model, most likely bodybuilder George O'Mara, as photographed by Lou Thomas and taken from Margaret Walters' 1978 book, The Nude Male, where the image is miscredited as the work of Jim French. So, even if you do own the single, it's still not right, because, you know, they credited the wrong photographer. Oh boy. I don't know if I don't know if I would be upset about that or just kind of like it's fine. If it was your photo <laughs> of just this man leaning against a wall with just his butt hanging out and whatever. Mhm. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So then on the back it we have Morrissey voice Johnny Marr guitars and harmonica. Mike Joyce, the drums, and Andy Rourke, the bass guitar. So we have all four Smiths. And I'd just like to say, obviously Mike Joyce and Andy Rourke are not just session musicians. What the heck? Right. But I think I mentioned this earlier. So it mentions, like, recorded at Strawberry Studios in March 83. Um, then the B-side Handsome Devil recorded live at the Hacienda Manchester in 1983 which we talked about last week on the podcast. All words by Morrissey, all music by Johnny Marr, produced by The Smiths, photography by Jim French, incorrect. Endless gratitude to Joe and Janet, Moss, obviously. Sleeve by The Smiths, contact address, and then this is where it differentiates. 70 Portland Street, Manchester, M3. 061-236-8167 which was Joe Moss's address at the time and his Crazy Face uh, Studios. However, newer versions uh, have the London address of Rough Trade Records. There's also a few of these that are like negative sleeves, and those are pretty highly collectible. I do not own that one because I am not that rich. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I wonder what that would cost, like a million dollars? Um, I think it depends on who's selling it. Yeah. I would probably <laughs> sell it for around a million dollars. I don't yeah. know. The, the fact that I even own this one is like, oh, this is my prized possession and whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, obviously, well, not obviously yet. This is the first time. As a special treat to people, or to people that were really paying attention, I should say. On the side wax of the record uh on side a morrissey demanded that uh it be etched with the phrase kiss my shades and upon hearing this johnny marr said it would be a super funny idea if on the other side it said kiss my shades too and so we have oh all right um which supposedly is a line from the song like the sort of like background vocals Okay. Yeah. But me personally, I, I I don't know. I've never bought that. I always just sing my own list there. Um, yeah. Because uh, I, think, I think it's better that way. Not saying mm-hmm. I'm a better lyricist than Morrissey, but just rather 
I have no clue how people get kiss my shades from from yeah from all of this like cover stars to like old books to like uh specifications of the label to etchings on it and everything the smiths kind of set up this template i guess for their singles which pretty much lasts through everyone seven inch or 12 inch or whatever you know right and um i think this is something interesting i found in my research and you know just learning about the <laughs> song nerd yeah if you, you can't see up. me I'm, uh, if, if you can't see me i'm pushing up my invisible glasses up the bridge of my nose down the middle yeah um so um it talks about and it's just like a little blurb it um it was essentially saying how for morrissey like the physical copy of like a single he like it was like an object and you felt like a nostalgia for it so it's like you know being on the other side of the table saying you know how can i put this love that i have for you know records how can i put that in my own product and i think that's where they were so particular about like the artwork and you know the etchings and everything i feel like that influenced me a lot in the way that I want to package like all of my stuff and I want to include a B-side and like if I have an option I always try to like include a little note if it gives like an option for a note on a f- on like a digital release or whatever. How do you feel like this impacted you uh, as you've been listening to like the Smiths and like just paying attention to how much care they put into their releases? I think I think it it just always stands out to me as just being so unique um because you know you have the picture on the single and it's like you know um on louder than bombs it's sheila delaney with a cigarette you know and various um you know snapshots from films that morrissey loved um so it's just sort of it's eye-catching and it's very unique and i think that sort of adds to the air of like oh the smiths you know that sort of i don't know what you want to call it some sort of like they're like the figure of them if that makes sense sort of like um the magnitude of them if that makes sense yeah no totally it it makes them like these big things i don't Mm -hmm. know like you want to display them and you want to say like all right, this is going to sound really like super consumerist, but frankly, I love material possessions, so I guess whatever. Um, but like, it almost feels like you are proud to just simply have this. Like, whether you bought like the the same one that everybody else does or like a collectible or whatever, owning a Smith's single feels like, yes, I'm so proud. I have, like, this sense of community that somebody is, like, paying attention to these things. Yeah, and that just makes me think, you know, like, you know, you you hunted for that, and it's just, like, just being, like, a vinyl junkie in general, just picking one up wherever, because it's, like, when we were um, in Europe, the band, we stopped by this cute little record store, and I brought home, like, three records, so it's, like, you know from now on whenever i go to listen to them i'll always have that memory attached to them yeah like all right so this record was actually given to me by my dad and uh our family friend mark because at the time we were doing uh a different smith's podcast that was more just like on youtube and like just something that we would do for fun and whatever just about like our relationships to the songs but they got that for me for like my birthday or for like one of the last podcasts that I did with them. And it just felt like, oh, wow. All right. Like other people care about me enough to like relate to me on this level that they know I love this thing. And this isn't like an easy item to come by either. Mm-hmm. And that memory is just always attached. And so like even like thinking about like the etchings and the grooves or whatever, they take me back to that. Yeah, just like I said, you know, from Morrissey, the records 
carry a certain like nostalgia to them. So that's yeah. <laughs> and Johnny Marr too. Like uh this is a quote from I don't know where, but it's found once again in Songs That Saved Your Life, because ever everything I know is from this book, I guess. Um <laughs> uh, he says, in the 1960s, records were actually worth something. People went out and bought a seven-inch piece of plastic, and they treasured it, which they don't seem to do anymore. We're trying to bring back that precious element, which is, I suppose, reminiscent of an earlier time. And so what? It's good to take a part of pop culture and bring it alive again, and bring the human spirit back into it. And that's exactly what the Smiths did, like everything after this like it was etchings and cover stars like you talked about like sheila delani i think she appeared on a couple of them i could be wrong um i wouldn't be surprised if she popped up on like singles but you know most like i don't know like definitively you can pick up louder than bombs and see her you know cradling her her face and her hands with a little cigarette yeah (laughs) and like a lot of even like some of the photos I feel like are these kind of in jokes, like, um, like what difference does it make? Who is that? Terrence stamp holding like a rag with chloroform on it. Supposed to be like, Oh, a joke of, you know, what difference does it make? Ha 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 ha. But I've got this chloroform Mm -hmm. here. Supposed to. Is that the one? I know that there's one with a guy and he's holding like a glass of milk. Yeah. So it's so, is it that one maybe? Yeah. It's a rag of chloroform hated it and so he refused to let the smith use it after like they already pressed so many copies and so they took another photo of morrissey with his hair just like terrence stamp in that photo and had him hold like a little glass of milk Mm -hmm. um but like you know just these weird little little things like that or like um i can't remember if it's on the back of louder than bombs or the world won't listen um or something, I can't remember, but this photo of these four girls standing in, like, a pavilion or something that Morrissey sent to Johnny Marr uh, saying, like, this is definitely going to be the back cover, and immediately Johnny Marr was like, oh, I get it. It's because all of these girls just look like all of us if we were wearing wigs. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's now the cover of, like, The Complete, Smiths? Okay, right, because I was going to say that image sounds familiar. So, yeah, I think that's where I've seen it. Yeah. And so we just get, like, so much community and weird sort of, like, sense of belonging from Smith singles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, of course, Hand in Glove went on to be... It wasn't a hit. But... It made a huge impact in the indie scene. I think it went into like number three on the indie charts in the UK. Right. I think so too. And from there, you know, it only kind of like snowballs. Suddenly, like people are talking about this group. More people are going to see them. They get like a John Peel session based pretty much off the strength of, uh, of the lead up to this single so that when it releases... Not only do the Smiths have the single, but they now have like this John Peel session of all of these new songs as well. And we'll get into the John Peel sessions on another episode because mm, fantastic. Yeah, those are great. But <laughs> Hand in Glove is most definitely like a landmark point mm-hmm. in the British music scene. Oh, for sure. I don't know what to say after yeah. that. Um, Alyssa, you got you got something to uh, to kind of wrap up the topic with. Hmm. Um, on the subject of just like records, you know, collecting them and all of that, um, and the artwork, you can definitely tell, at least you know, to my sort of deductions, that Morrissey did a lot of the selection of the um, covers because you know he wears his his interests on his sleeves, his record sleeves. Ha ha ha. Yeah. So, um, and even in the, even in the songs too, like back to reel around the fountain, um, 
like I dreamt about you last night and fell out of bed twice. That's a line from A Taste of Honey, which is a movie. It was it's also a play by Sheila Delaney. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't know, it's so neat that he would, you know, he just was like, I like this movie. I'm going to take this still shot and put it on a record. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know. I've definitely done that before. Like, I think when I was in, like, the heart of my Smith's obsession, I would just be watching, like, these old movies, and I'd be like, oh, this is such a good shot. And, like, Mm -hmm. I'd screenshot it and then play around with, like, oh, how can I make this, like, a record sleeve or something? Um, I don't think I was ever quite as good at it. (laughs) But, you know, how could you blame me? I was, like, 16 or 17 or something. Yeah. And I guess it's good that, like, I was doing that and I was bad at it because eventually I got better. All right. But speaking (laughs) about uh, like other songs and our music, why don't we move on to the next section of the show? All right. Alright, so Alyssa, you've listened to the episodes that are already out so far. So this be our uh, our sort of playlist section, I guess. Are you familiar with like what uh what we've talked about as far as like, what the playlist is and what the purpose of it is? To share music and you know what what we've been doing lately with it. Yeah, exactly. So Obviously, like, I want to talk about, like, Bittersweethearts, and I want to talk about, like, your own so- song recommendations. Let's take care of the Smith songs first, and then let's get to that. Okay. All right. So, obviously, Hand in Glove. That mm-hmm. needs to go on there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, oh, man. What's it? Uh, Stretch Out and Wait. That's one of my favorites. I'm a sucker for a good ballad, but the version that's on Louder Than Bombs because the version that's on The World Won't Listen is slightly different, lyrically. I hate that, but I also love it. Yeah. But what what I mean is, like, it's because every time I go to listen to it, I always start off with the wrong lyrics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I always feel so bad about it, like, ah, oh, you know, what kind of Smiths fan am I? But I put the blame fully on them. It's their yeah. fault for doing that to me. Yeah, and sometimes I'll forget, like, I'll put on The World Won't Listen, and then I hear, like, that, you know, like, that, um, the little guitar part, and he comes in, and I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't the version I like. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so specifically, the Louder Than Bombs one. Yes. We just threw Handsome Devil on the, on the recording, recording, on the playlist for last week, so... Mm, I'm not feeling Handsome Devil this week. But you know what? We did talk a little bit about, like, Sheila Delaney and about how Morrissey would, like, interweave lyrics. Let's throw This Night Has Opened My Eyes on Yeah. Because that is pretty much just a one-to-one retelling of A Taste of Honey. Mm -hmm. I love that one, too. That one's also a vibe. Like, Rubber Ring, that kind of, like, loungy, like, um, sort of, like, chill. Yeah. And I guess to round out, why not Rubber Ring? Yeah, why not? That's a good one. Plus, I mean, I guess it makes sense because it fits in with the whole, like, you know, Smith singles and, like, you know, the song is from the perspective of a record. And, I mean, and all that the stuff. book that we refer to, Songs That Saved Your Life, that's from Rubber Ring. Yeah. Man, honestly, like, this episode has been reciting from that book, like, we're reciting the Quran. <laughs> All right, so we've got we've got our Smith songs taken care of. Let's talk about Bittersweethearts. Okay. So I obviously want to add uh, your guys' latest single, or by the time this episode releases, about three weeks from recording, is there a new single that's going to be out? Hmm. <laughs> not, not, not in three weeks, no. Oh, I'm sorry, you can hear my... If you hear my little puppy bark. But, yeah. Let's say 
uh, Bittersweethearts run from you? Yes, run from you. And then also you're in the music video for that playing guitar and looking very cool, very chic, very gothic. (laughs) I love that video. Yep. And you know what? The Smiths made their way into that music video because I'm playing my uh, Rickenbacker 330 that I bought. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. that. Because of Johnny Marr and it's aptly made, named Johnny. So. Oh, yep. there we yep. go. <laughs> no, actually, I, I watched that video and then. I don't know, like some sort of some sort of crazed fool, I went out to like my roommates and I was like showing them your guitar mm-hmm. and I was like, look, no, this is this is like one of my favorite guitars and like the Beatles played it and Johnny Marr played it and like the sound is really good and like I'm talking about like all these things and they're just looking at me blankly like what what are you talking <laughs> about? Oh man. But yeah. Yeah, so I'll I'll put that song on the playlist and then I'll also link the video to that in the show notes. Excellent. And then, Alyssa, what songs do you have recommended for the Smith Cyclopedia listeners out there? So just, let's see. I've been listening to a lot of Failure. Failure? Yeah, they're this band. Um, I think they're still around, but they, you know, were in the 90s. They're sort of grungy. Um, but anyway, I've been listening to their, I think it's their first album called Fantastic Planet. And um, the song that I've been vibing to is uh, the most on that record, because it's a great record back to front. But um, Sergeant Politeness, that is a good one. That's such a good name, too. Yeah. All right. What else? Um, let's see. I've also been going back and looking at some like i don't want to say traditional emo but you know like emo and screamo and you know not like the emo that's like mom and dad just don't understand me you know like the like the emo core like emotional hardcore um you know like sunday day real estate but specifically i've been really getting down with thursday do you know thursday i don't i i'm not like huge into like emo or like pop punk or whatever occasionally like something will get me like i think the first time i ever like really truly listened to uh the black parade i cried yeah but i need to get more into that genre yeah well this is actually interesting the song that i've been um loving most recently is called jet black new year and uh thursday was in the same scene as my chem like in the beginning like jeff rickley vocalist for thursday produced mcr's first album oh yeah and um on uh jet black new year there's some guest vocals from gerard way so there we go maybe he'll cry to this one too you know Mm -hmm. we'll find out um so let's see so we've got our four Smith songs, uh, Sergeant Politeness, and then, uh, I'm sorry, what was the name of this song again? Jet Black New Year. Jet Black New Year by Thursday. Um, and then I threw in Bittersweet Hearts, but I also want to give you a chance to recommend another song if you'd like to. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Um, let's see. I've been uh listening to this band called the dead deads um dead deads okay yeah yeah. they're they're really neat they're kind of grungy like um alternative rock stuff and i saw them open for the darkness so and it's like a power trio like i know you love the darkness love the darkness um so yeah, they opened for the darkness and th- they were so good that, you know, I bought a t-shirt and then I kicked myself for not buying the album. So I ordered the album. Like that's how good they were or good they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the song that, oh gosh, what it's, what, which one is it? There's so many. Um, I think it's, 
think it's called Sea Beast. I don't want to, I because I want to say Tell Your Girls It's All Right Too, because that's the name of the album. But I think it's a situation of, um, like, it has the title in the song, like, as a lyric, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Sea Beast. It opens up the album. It's great. It's, like... I don't know, listening to it, like, by the end, it's kind of, like, transcendent, just kind of, like, the way that the song develops. So that is my recommendation. All right, there we go. Um, and, of course, you can find all of those at our uh, at our Spotify, at Smith Cyclopedia, um, and it'll be labeled Smith Cyclopedia Episode 5. I'll throw in a couple as well to round it out into a into a good 10. Um, so I just released a song called In Love. And so in prepping for that, I've been listening to a lot of just like big over the top love songs. And so the first one that I want to put on there is one called. Hold on, let, let me find it because I want to make sure I get I get the full thing right. Here we go. So it's a song by love affair on an album called the everlasting love affair. And the song is called everlasting love. Oh my gosh. And it's like this big cinematic, like old school pop song. Oh, that's awesome. And I just that's love awesome. it. Awesome. I was going to say it's giving bad company by bad company on the album, bad company. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like I want to do that at some point, just like a uh, song name, band name, album name all the same thing mm-hmm. oh great um and then my second song is uh a song that i really love because it's a song that my mom relates a lot to like her relationship with my dad and whatever and so it's just a big old love song for me um but it's alanis morissette's head over feet and oh, i just love that song so much and i know like Alanis Morissette's accent isn't uh, isn't for everyone, but I kind of dig it. I, I really like it. Yeah, it's it's special. Yeah. So those are my two songs. That makes 10 total. And that would be around eh, 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah, we just want you guys to be able to listen to something throughout the week, kind of interact with uh, the the hosts that are on for that episode to be able to connect with the songs that we were talking about and hopefully to find some stuff that, you know, you add to your own music collection. More songs to save your life. More songs to save your life. So let's, uh, let's round this one out and get to our next section. Alrighty. So this is a section where we answer letters, mail, um, threats, etc. You can find us at the show pretty much using Smith Cyclopedia for just about anything. We are smithcyclopedia at gmail.com, and that's spelled just the same as like you would see it on your podcasting app or whatever. And then we are also Smith Cyclopedia on Instagram and TikTok. Um you can follow our Instagram for more like uh, regular updates. And then TikTok is a little bit more freeform. You just get a lot more Smith content that way if you'd like it. And then our email, I don't know. Share with us your, your like insights or stories with the Smiths. Maybe something that happened this week, introducing a friend to the Smiths, having uh, a friend betray you because of the Smiths. Um, yeah, we just want to hear from you guys. So I think we're going to start off with, uh, with that this week. We received, uh, an email from someone named Tim. He says, hi, love the podcast. Listening as an Aussie living in, uh, the Sechelis? Sechelis? I have no clue. I'm so sorry. I've never been to Australia. Um, but he says that, he uh, he's listening as an Aussie living in the Sekelis. My whole family is now turned on by the Smiths. Well done, sir. Looking forward to your upcoming episodes. Cheers. That made my day. 
when I received that, uh, I had just finished recording an episode and I had to say like, I'm sorry guys, we actually don't have any mail to, uh, to talk about (laughs) yet. And of course that comes in like five minutes after we're done recording. I'm like, all right, you know what? Maybe there is something good in, uh, in the world. You know, obviously the only good thing is writing into this podcast, guys. This is not in any way a wink or a nudge, but, <laughs> you know. You know. Um, And then on our TikTok, which I need to make sure that I turn down the volume because all I've been getting on my uh, For You page is like the Jesus skateboarding to Everlong uh, TikToks. Have you seen any of those? <gasps> You know, I haven't been on TikTok in a while, but I just might have to go on and see that because that sounds awesome. Yeah, honestly, I think it's super funny. Basically, people are just playing Skate 3, but like customizing their character to look like Jesus Christ. And then just having him do like these insane, like uh, insane dives and whatever. And then just flying into the air and doing like the classic like jesus uh <laughs> crucifix pose and whatever um that is if you've amazing. seen one you've seen them all but they never get old <laughs> right and there's a little bit of a uh, of discourse on our tiktok I posted this thing that says something like it. It's a modified tweet that says she's a 10, but she listens to the same five albums religiously. And I put up on the Smith's four studio albums and then hat full of hollow. Somebody said louder than bombs is greater than hat full of hollow. No, 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 no. If you, if you can't see me, I'm like putting my fists in the air in agreement because I love louder than bombs. Nah, I'm, I'm a hat full of hollow guy. 100% of the way. Um, but somebody commented on their comment and said, it's unfair to compare as they're both compilations and one came out after all their material was made. So it'd be easier to choose better songs to put on it. I will say. Including asleep on louder than bombs. (laughs) probably shoots that up like at least a few ranks where it almost beats half full of hollow for me (laughs) yeah and i mean what that i mean that song oh that album oh i could go on all day um we'll have another episode for that like the track listing yes yep but the track listing I'll, i'll be here with I'll be here with my my uh, Sheila Delaney T-shirt, but like opening with like, is it really so strange? I mean, Shoplifters is on there. All right. All right. Fair. Sheila, take a bow. Like, I could just go on and on. <laughs> and I, I think I could go on and on about Hot Full of Hollow as well. I don't know. It's just it's a special record for me, I guess, because it was really like the first one that I fell in love with. Um, and then yeah, that's special. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, that's that's very special. Um, and then it doesn't look like we've had any comments on our Instagram, um, but a lot of people have been following it. So thank you guys, uh, those of you that are following. Um, I just gave you a tiny little finger heart, um, which you can't see, but I hope you can feel. And also, as I don't know. Uh, not a shout out per se, but a uh, an invitation or a prodding, I guess. Uh, you can rate and review the show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever. Um, rating the show five stars definitely helps us to get introduced to more people or even to show people that, you know, are interested in the Smiths. Like, we are a podcast that is worth listening to. Um, so, of course, you could just do that and we are smith cyclopedia on all of those i would love to see your comments uh on those even if you know you do breathe out these awful terrible things um as long as you rate the show five stars then you know it's all good you can say whatever you want about me (laughs) but 
with that, I believe that's pretty much our show for the day. Do you have anything that you want to talk about before we uh, take off? Um, I love the Smiths. Louder Than Bombs is great. And I don't know, there's so much about Hand in Glove that we didn't get to. But I think that just speaks to like how awesome of a song that is and how important it is in the canon of the Smiths. Yeah. Um. Shoot. I claim to be an encyclopedic well, podcast and we didn't get to it. Um. Send me everything that we didn't get to and I'll just cram to the next one. Yeah, we'll do. Yeah. Oh, so good. Hand in Glove Part 2 Electric Boogaloo. I was just about <laughs> to make that joke. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Handy Glove 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> That's right. That's the Sandy Shaw cover. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Sandy Shaw another um, time. Yeah. Um, But with that, we bid you adieu, farewell, goodbye, and please don't die. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.